Well, good morning. Good morning. You know, the uh, songs they sang earlier, they didn't sing our favorite song. Uh, our song is uh, one, You're Still the One. After 39 years, you're still the one. And, uh, you know, you guys got to hear Nick and Lindsay uh, a couple weeks ago. And compared to us, they're just newlyweds, right? So y'all need to pray for uh, Nick. Uh, Lindsay has a flu, so uh, Nick's going solo today over in the sanctuary. Um, we spoke six years ago uh, on a Valentine's weekend, and the church looks a lot different now than it did six years ago. A lot of new faces, a new room, etc. cetera. Um, you know, one of the lines in our sermon series has been, falling in love is easy, but staying in love is messy. And I fell in love with you pretty quickly. In fact, I don't think I told you this. I, uh, I forwarded uh, the video to, to your sister, and I told her that the, uh, um, the thing about marrying the prettiest one was a toss-up. You know, I don't know. So, yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> well, she appreciated She appreciated that. that. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they are identical, just about. So. Yeah. Um, Jeff told you how he was smitten, but that really didn't happen to me <laughs> at that instant. <laughs> He did see me and my twin sister coming in uh, Lakewood Campground about midnight. Uh, all I can remember is a guy in the corner with a vacuum cleaner cleaning up because they were fixing to close up. But it wasn't until we started working together, we started sharing with each other, we laughed together, we became friends. And I was in a very messy relationship at that time. But I came to realize after breaking off five dates with you, that you weren't going anywhere and that you were being really nice about it. So after a lot of long distance phone calls, a lot of letter writing, which we still have those letters, by the way, I began to fall in love. Yeah, that was pre-email, right? Pre-email, <laughs> pre-internet, right. pre-email. So, so what you're saying, Lynn, I, I want to make sure I hear that, is uh, that uh, falling in love was easy for me, but not for you, right? <laughs> it happens that way, doesn't it? Sometimes it's love at first sight. And sometimes it takes a little time. I had to grow on you, I guess. Uh, but uh, stay, we know that staying in love can be hard uh, and even messy. Uh, our marriage has had some tears, yeah. had a lot of smiles and some great memories. Um, but we've worked really hard uh, to, to grow this marriage. Yeah, we've worked uh, really hard to build a, man, a marriage, but also we've worked really hard to build a ministry that glorifies God no question that our marriage is a testimony to God's grace and God's faithfulness to us as a couple. 39 years ago, we entered into a covenant with each other. Yeah, so I want to talk a minute about a covenant and as a def definition for marriage. And, you know, we live in a world that has uh, its own definition of marriage, but there's a biblical definition of marriage and a covenant is a binding relationship meant to last a lifetime. And, and our idea of covenant comes from uh, the scriptural view of the covenant that God makes with us. A covenant that's based on love and based on faithfulness. And when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, God gives us his grace. God enters into this covenant with us uh, and gives us uh, eternal salvation, the, the gift of God. Uh, it's, it's a covenant that was ratified by Jesus' death on a cross. His blood was shed so that you and I can have this covenant relationship with God. And the benefits are enormous. The benefits of this covenant are blessings, uh, the, the abundant life, uh, the, the Holy Spirit, the body of Christ, the church, uh, and, and Christian friends. A tremendous benefits from this covenant relationship we have with God. And so the covenant of marriage is based on God's idea of covenant. And we've talked several weeks here during this series on Genesis chapter two. 
But Jesus affirms those words in Matthew's gospel. Haven't you read the scriptures, Jesus replied? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And he said, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split apart what God has joined together. So again, we contrast the teachings of Genesis and the teachings of Matthew with what the world is saying about marriage. And there's a mystery here that we need to understand about the covenant of marriage, that the covenant is not just a man and a woman coming together to be married, but it's three coming together. It's God, man, and a woman. And to bring us together in a sense of oneness, in a sense of emotional intimacy, spiritual intimacy, and physical intimacy. You know, we make an oath um, to love each other. When you and I got married, we made an oath to love each other unconditionally. And that's the way that God loves us. The covenant we have with God is, is, is unconditional, that God loves us no matter what. But it's also uh, about confrontation. The God that loves us will confront us and call us out for uh, our shortcomings. And so from time to time, we, we have some confrontation in our relationship. But also, just like in God's relationship, there's forgiveness and there's grace and there's mercy. It's about blessing each other. Part of being in a great marriage is that we get to bless each other and we get to help each other to grow together in our faith and to become the, the, the man, the, the, the woman, the man that God wants us to be. Yeah, you were the first guy that I ever prayed with, definitely the first guy that I ever did devotions with. So for 35, 39 years, we've been helping each other become what God intends for us to be as a couple and as individual people. Yeah, I don't want to give away all my secrets, but... Uh, um, you remember our first kiss, right? I uh, And uh, I, I was really nervous about that because I was really smitten. And so we're standing on Lynn's front porch and uh, I, I asked, could we have a prayer together? And we prayed. And before you opened your eyes, I kissed you. That's right. <laughs> it really worked well, you know. So anyway, that's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, not sure that's the correct way to do it, but that's the way I did it. But uh, um but again, we, we've grown together, uh, and uh, this, this idea that is, um, the culture is different, though. I mean, the culture is, doesn't have the same definition. Yeah, uh, you would agree with me when I say today's culture has moved away from this idea of covenant, hasn't it? Uh, it's adopted more of a social contract for marriage based on conditional partnership. It seems like today our marriages are based on if, it's based on when, it's based on because, and if it's not working, we'll just break the contract. In our scripture this morning that Jessica read for you, says, our God hates the breaking of covenant relationships. You know, th these words are powerful words. It says, you cover the Lord's altar with your tears. You cry and you moan because he, is not, he does not accept your offerings and is not pleased with what you bring. You ask why. It is because the Lord sees how you treated the wife you married when you were young. You broke your promise to her even though she was your partner and you had an agreement with her, God made husbands and wives to become one body and one spirit for his purpose. Now, this is a tough passage of scripture. And I know it, it, it's, uh, it, it confronts us and, and challenges us. Five times in this passage uh, in Malachi, he uses the phrase broken promises or broken agreements. And he goes on to say that God hates divorce. Now, 
Let me give, give you some background for that, what, what that verse is about. You know, the, the Hebrew word hate means that God opposes or God despises something because of his character. That God is holy. Uh, God is about uh, holiness and justice and righteousness. And so he opposes that which uh, confronts that and, and challenges that. And so what the context is the men of Israel uh, were breaking their promises. They were breaking their agreements. They were breaking their covenants. And they were divorcing their wives so they could chase after and marry Canaanite women. Now, women that they had been forbidden to have a relationship with because these women didn't believe in God. And so, in essence, these men were throwing their wives to the curbs so they could chase after idols. And, and, and God says, I hate that. I hate that when you do that. I hate, I hate when you throw this person that you've married away so you can chase after something that does not please me. And it's not, it's not my best for you, my will for you. Um, and so, God hates divorce because of the pain and the brokenness it causes. You know, in biblical times, these women were not only ruined emotionally, but they were ruined economically. These women that were thrown to the curb became outcast. They became poor. And they often have to, had to, had to become prostitutes in order to su support their families. And God's simply saying, I, I hate that when it happens, that when you throw people to the curb. You know, God hates the pain and difficulty that divorce causes children. You know, Pat Conroy, a, a famous South Carolina author, says this, there is not metaphors powerful enough to describe the moment when you tell the children about the divorce. To look into the eyes of your children and tell them that you're changing all their tomorrows is really painful. Now, I grew up uh, as a child of divorce. My dad and mom divorced when I was five, and my dad and my stepmom divorced when I was 14. And my dad later um, married and divorced again, and then eventually remarried my stepmom. So I, so I was in the midst of all of that, and, and it certainly had an impact on me. Uh, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, but, you know, it, there's a lot of pain there. And I was talking to my dad last night, and my dad has given his life to Christ, and, and we have a, a strong relationship today. Um, and he asked me, he says, you're not going to talk about divorce again, are you? I said, well, actually, Dad, there's a lot of people in our congregation that struggle with those feelings and struggles with those pains. And I, and I want to say there's redemption on the other side of that. Uh, you, you received redemption. Uh, you received the grace of God. And, and our people need to hear that there's redemption and there's mercy uh, for that. Uh, Malachi asked the question in verse 10, a great question. It says, why do people break their promises to each other and, and show no respect for the agreement our ancestors made with God? So why do we break our promises with God? Why do we break our promises to our spouse? Why do we break our promises to our friends? I, I really wrestled with that question. And um, I was talking about some of this to our men's prayer breakfast a couple weeks ago. And I came across these words from Paul in Galatians 5, 16 and 17. I, I want to share these words with you. I shared these with the men. He says, Paul says, I advise you to obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. Obey only the Holy Spirit's instructions. That, that's a, a powerful statement, is it not? Because we're hearing a lot of voices in our ears, a lot of things in the culture, temptations. Paul says, I advise you only to obey the Holy Spirit's instructions. He will tell you where to go and what to do. And then you won't always be doing the wrong things your evil nature wants you to do. For we naturally love to do evil things that are just the opposite from the things that the Holy Spirit tells us to do. 
These two forces within us are constantly fighting each other to win control over us, and our wishes are never free from their pressures. You know, it's, it's an ongoing battle. You know, marriage is under attack today because of those forces. You know, we, we, one of my favorite verses of Scripture and theme verse for my entire ministry has been John 10.10. 10. Uh, Jesus said, I've come to give you life and life abundant, life abundant in a marriage. But a part of that verse is, but the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And there, there, are, there are forces that want to destroy God's best for us. It's true in Scripture that God says he hates divorce, but he loves and shows grace to the divorced. Let me say that again. God hates divorce, but he loves and he shows grace to the divorced. That's why we're doing this marriage series in the first place, to strengthen our marriages and try to prevent, help God prevent divorce. If your marriage is struggling or in trouble, we pray that this series has helped you. We'd like for you to, if you're in trouble or you feel like you need to talk with someone, we have a great pastoral staff uh, in our church and they're here and ready and willing to help you if you need some help in, in talking and discussing with them. And go see a Christian counselor, wonderful resource in being able to talk to each other through a Christian counselor. If you're thinking about divorce, think about the consequences first. You know, if your marriage uh, needs a tune-up, and again, I, I believe this marriage series has been preventive for some folks. You know, you've heard some things, maybe some red flags popped up, and hey, we need to work on that. We need to maybe go talk to somebody. So uh, if your marriage needs a tune-up, uh, join this uh, group this week uh, here at the church, in this room. On, on February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. You know, re, recommit on Valentine's Day and then come and work on your marriage here. Um, you know, Nick was uh, saying we're going to have 300 uh, uh, couples here, or 300 people here. Uh, that would be 150 couples, right? Uh, 300, and we're at 226. So uh, you guys uh, uh, make him really happy, and, and let, let's fill this room up on Wednesday night. But if your heart's been broken by divorce, uh, don't turn your back on God. God wants to bring you healing. God wants to give you help. Uh, reach out to our team. We have divorce care for adults. We have survive and thrive for youth. I wish that I'd been a part of something like survive and thrive when I was 14. It, it really would have helped me uh, get through a lot of stuff that I went through. Uh, we also have DC4K, divorce care for children. You know, we, we know that brokenness is painful to kids. Um, we have small groups. We have Sunday school classes. Uh, but, you know, Lynn, we talk about that statement that Malachi makes that God hates divorce, but Scripture says there's some other things that God hates as well. God tells us in Proverbs there are six things that he hates and one more that he loathes with a passion. Eyes that are arrogant, a tongue that lies, hands that murder the innocent, a heart that hatches evil plots, feet that race down a wicked track, a mouth that lies under oath, a troublemaker in the family. If your hearts have been broken today by divorce or death, we want you to know that God still has a plan for your life. There are, no, there are new beginnings for you. My twin sister lost her husband of 31 years to a horrific disease called ALS. She was single for almost eight years but a couple of weekends ago, she remarried to a great guy. She's starting a new beginning for herself. 
Some of our best friends are people that have gone through brokenness and divorce and found happiness on the other side. We all know that there will be challenges to marriages. Yeah, so we talked about covenant. We're talking about challenges for a minute. And, you know, we, you and I face uh, uh, some big challenges, and, and we can kind of be vulnerable here for a few minutes and talk about some of the challenges we faced. And, you know, the first one is uh, our, my past, our past. Again, Jeff described um, how he came out of a broken home of divorce, but I came out of a really healthy family. In fact, my parents this October will be married for 65 years. In the beginning of our marriage and probably since our marriage and throughout our marriage, it's been hard for me to realize the impact that your past of having going through a broken home has had on you. Yeah, and, and there's no question that, uh, that we had to learn that. And, and so in, in this culture today, uh, there's a lot of you that are walking through that perhaps where you have, you know, you know, and your family's been a blessing to me because, uh, you know, I got to see, you know, what a family looks like that uh, stays together. And, and, uh, and it's just, it was a great example. And, and you guys took me in and kind of nurtured me. And, you know, and again, it's been great to see my dad and other people in my family uh, come to faith and, and be restored and have a good relationship. But, but our past really has an impact uh, and, and creates challenges for us. But also uh, a little thing called personality. Yeah, another challenge I can face in marriage is personality, and I know even just from here on the stage, you can tell that we both have different personalities. In fact, we are very opposite of one another, and a lot of couples face this uh, challenge too with different personalities. Yeah. And as you, some of you know, and some of you that don't know, this is not one of my favorite things to do up here in front of all of you. Yeah, we, uh, we came up with a new word for uh, Lindsay and uh, Lynn uh, a couple weeks ago called voluntold, right? Uh, voluntold, that's a new word. Because, um, you know, you, you, you've been very gracious about doing this, but this is not your, your, your oh, favorite thing to do. And, uh, but yet, you know, you, you're, you're, let's give her a hand. Good job, Lynn, uh, up in up here. Uh, I owe you big time, right? Yes, you I owe do. you big time. So yes, whenever do. we, uh, early in our marriage, we started having a few... Um, uh, conflicts and some challenges. And so we went and talked to someone. And, and again, some of you heard this, but we, we did a Myers-Briggs and, and, and the counselor came out and said, I got good news and bad news. Um, uh, the bad news is that you've got all the dynamite you need to blow this relationship to pieces because you guys are opposite in every way, every way. And uh, we've been living that for 39 years, right? And you've not changed yet, you know? And, uh, and I've not changed either, you know, because, you know, you don't, you don't change your personality. And we got uh, a little help coming out here. Thank you, man. Um, but so this personality that we have is, is totally different. Uh, and, but yet we have the, the, the good thing you said is you have everything you need to have a great relationship. We, uh, and, we, we've, we've, and we've been living that. We, we still, to this day, wrestle with our differences. And so I want you to know if you're a young couple here and you're getting started, that doesn't go away, right? It's going to be with you for the rest of your married life. But, but there are things that you've helped me with tremendously. In my, in, like Lynn is, Lynn is uh, our, our organized person. And uh, so we learned early on that she does uh, all the bills, makes all the payments. And uh, we, I tried that for a little while and it drove you crazy. And our creditors called all the time. And, uh, uh, but, you, but you took that and ran with it. And I'm the dreamer in the family. Uh, I'm, I'm the one, let's try something new. Let's try something different. And you don't want to do that very often. But anyway, but we have fun together, still working through that stuff. But of course, another thing that's a challenge for us is all through our marriage is keeping our priorities right. Anybody struggle with that? 
priorities right. I guess when I talk to couples who want to talk about their marriage, usually that's the, one of the first things that comes up is, is they have their priorities out of whack. And, and we've really sought to keep God first in our relationship and each other second. And then comes kids and careers and jobs. And one of the ways we keep our priorities right, right and correct is prayer, uh, praying together, but also you praying for me and me praying for you. And, 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 and I'm so blessed that you pray for me all the time. And, and, and you build a wall around me, which I, th- I thank you for doing that. Again, I, I shared this with the men at our prayer breakfast, how important it is for us as husbands to pray with our spouses. I was actually, uh, uh, again, a couple weeks ago at the hospital with one of our members and uh, an active member of our men's prayer breakfast. His wife was very ill in the hospital. And I went to see them and, and uh, have prayer with them. And I told him about the message that was coming up. And he said, one, would you tell the men at the prayer breakfast how much I appreciate them praying for us? But would you also tell them this? Tell them, please don't wait until your wife gets sick to pray with her. Don't wait till your wife is sick. Don't wait till your spouse is sick to start praying with each other. And uh, I shared that with them. And I came across a quote from a guy named Leonard Ravenhill. And he says that no man is greater than his prayer life. I would add that no husband is greater than his prayer life. Husbands, I'm putting you on, call, on, on notice that you and I as husbands need to pray with our, our wives. And no man is greater than his prayer life. And I would say that no marriage is greater than his prayer life. That, that, that as couples, we need to learn to pray together. You know, he goes on to say in this quote that we have many organizers, but few agonizers. A lot of people who are not praying are straying. Many players and payers, but few prayers. Much fashion, but little passion. Fail here, and we fail everywhere. You know, a few uh, years ago, Steve Arnest and I were doing a talk on marriage over in the sanctuary. And one of the things that came up in the talk was how much prayer impacts intimacy. And when we pray together, it creates an intimacy that we, we share our inward uh, most thoughts and our feelings. And, and then as I thought about that, that praying together leads to better playing together, right? We play together better when we pray together. In fact, after I did that uh, sermon, I had a, a, a wife come up to me and say, Pastor Jeff, thanks a lot for that sermon on praying together because now all my husband wants to do is pray. <laughs> I'll let you think about that. Okay. All right. Um, so praying together um, really helps us keep our priorities. Yeah, we've had challenges in our marriage, but we also have had challenges in our ministries. When we came here 23 years ago, Jeff was the only staff person here. So he had to spend a lot of time and energy away from me and Ashley and Aaron as we began our ministry here. Uh, More recently, with the Above and Beyond Capital Campaign, and then the result of this building being built, took a lot of your energy. I don't think people really realized um, the effort it took on your part and many people's part, but it um, kind of wore both of us out during this campaign. But I've always felt blessed being here with you in ministry and us growing the church together. It's been a real blessing. Yeah, I think, in, uh, and I'm, again, couples out there can relate to this. I mean, in, in your, you have your careers and and your careers get kind of crazy sometimes, and, and that, that can present challenges to marriage. And again, it's why we need to keep our priorities in the right place. And it was kind of fun this one. We parked up 
by the, by the, the old sanctuary and uh, uh, now the former student room. And we walked in the back door and got to walk by my original office and, uh, and then down the hall and, and look at all the rooms that have been transformed and into the old sanctuary, the new, well, the current sanctuary, and then walk over here, kind of walk down memory lane. But let me just say that um, uh, as your pastor over these last 23 years, that I cannot be sitting up here today and cannot be your pastor without Lynn. Uh, Lynn has been my rock and she has been there for me and she has stood beside me and she's not always one who wants to be out in the limelight. Uh, but, but, but listen, th this is, she is with the Lord's help is why I'm here and why we've been able to do all this. And when we drive by it uh, and see what God's done here and the people that are coming and all the great things are going on, I say, Lynn, you, you're a big part of that. And so again, give her another hand for that. That's outstanding. Thank you. Thank you. Well, as you saw on the video, uh, we recently have had another challenge, but we've also had an opportunity with our daughter moving back home and us helping her to raise our granddaughter after having an empty nest for a number of which years. Which is a lot of fun, isn't it? Which is a lot of fun. We got used to. It was great. Uh, we have had to readjust our lives around them. We've had to go through good times, but we've also had some tough times through this. Yeah, so I think, again, uh, there's always going to be curveballs that come into our marriages. And if we think we're all going to get a, a piss right down the middle every time, that's not reality. There's always going to be curveballs that happen, uh, challenges that happen. And again, when we have our priorities in the right place, we can better meet those. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a blessing to have Harper in our house and Ashley. And um, you, you notice me whistling uh, when I walked in the door. Uh, whenever, I, whenever I come home, the Lord laid on my heart that I should whistle. And so when I, that's how I announce that I'm coming home. And the only time that I don't whistle is when you text me ahead of time and say, don't whistle because Harper's taking a nap, right? And I'm resting. Uh, don't wake but, her up. Don't wake her up. But, uh, but I whistle and I whistle and, and you can see that that's Harper's reaction. She gets excited. And the reason I do that and the Lord laid them heart to do that is that when I'm, when I'm gone one day, uh, when I'm in heaven and, and Harper hears somebody whistle, uh, she may think of J-Paul, right? So that's kind of a cool thing that we do, a little thing. But all these challenges that we've talked about uh, leads to some conflict, right? Uh, anybody here know about that conflict, right? There can be some conflict, uh, some confrontation. <laughs> and, and, and because we bring our hurts in, we bring our unhealthy baggage in, we bring our challenges, our personalities, and it produces some conflict. So we got these little mugs up here. Uh, this is, thank you, obviously, and blue. Um, this, this is an illustration uh, we saw uh, Andy Stanley did, and it really resonated with us. And, and it, so we want to share this idea with you. So when Lynn and I were dating, uh, we, uh, we, we, we were very, very careful about uh, ourselves. We, we, we got along really well, and we had a few little bumps, but nothing serious, right? Mm -hmm. uh, maybe, you know, you know, when you're dating, you don't have really a lot of arguments and not a lot of fights. You know, occasionally you get a disagreement, but we were careful. We danced around some things. But then, then we got married, and we moved to Kentucky, uh, living in uh, university housing, uh, a single-wide trailer. Uh, we got the flu, <laughs> right? We got the flu. And, and then we bumped into each other, and stuff came out. 
I mean, it was really, I mean, stuff kept coming out, you know, and, and I didn't know you had that stuff inside of you, you know, it just came out, you know. <laughs> and I thought, where did this come from? I didn't know you were like that. I didn't know you that you had anger issues. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I push your buttons sometimes, huh? That's right. You always seemed so confident when, when we were dating, but I saw you insecure for the first time. Yeah. And so when stuff started coming out, uh, uh, you called your mom. You know, I and uh, y'all do that, right? You call your mom. And so and let me, when Lynn called her mom, it wasn't just simply pick up, you know, she had to actually walk in 10 inches of snow to a pay phone and call your mom. And, and uh, you know, and so it, stuff happens, you know, we, we, before we got married, you know, I mean, we, did, we had no idea how to handle conflict. Uh, we had no idea how to, how to handle confrontation. We just thought, you know, you had a twin sister, identical, I've already mentioned. And, and I just assumed that whenever you and I got married, that she would go away. You know, and uh, oh, no. that didn't happen at all. Trust me. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, you, and it, which is great. It's, it's, it, I realize now that that's a blessing for you and a friendship. But I didn't I didn't probably handle that real well early on. I was a little jealous, maybe. Just a tad. Just a tad. <laughs> uh, before we got married, uh, like he said, I didn't even know how to handle conflict because my family didn't deal with conflict. We just kind of ignored it, hoping it'd go away. As I said in the video, I had a lot of insecure issues in my life. I didn't have a lot of self-esteem in my life. And then when Jeff told me that we were doing this marriage series, which three weeks ago we did three services over there, two over here, I took a lot of beads because <laughs> a lot of my insecurity came out. A lot out. of stuff came a out. A lot of stuff I? came out then. <laughs> In fact, in fact, last night you said, maybe I can get the flu too and I have to do this. I said, oh, you don't want the flu. <laughs> can I get the flu in a day? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and for me, um, as I shared in the video that uh, I realized maybe later in our relationship, much later, that, that how I had trust issues uh, because of what had happened to me as a child growing up and uh, insecurity. And, you know, what happens when this stuff starts coming out of us um, and we don't understand it is we blame our spouse for this and uh, the one we love. We, we, we take it out on them uh, and in reality it's not their stuff, it's, it's our stuff. Uh, so how do we handle conflict? When stuff comes out, and it's gonna come out folks, you know that, right? So one of the, one of the questions that I, I call Steve Arneson and talked to him about this and, and through the years I've tried to read on this, but, but what are the rules for fighting fair? Because reality is we're gonna have fights. I, don't, I, I doubt there's a married couple in this room that if they're honest, has not had a fight. Uh, you know, uh, maybe not a knockdown, drag out one, but, but some conflict. And, and how do you do that? So I want to give you real quickly some rules for fighting fear. Number one, this is the hardest one, is do the internal work first. Uh, what does that mean? Do a fact check. Uh, pay attention to what's inside of us. There's stuff inside of all of us that's causing some of the conflict that we're having. Proverbs 4.23 says this way, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. You know, the ability to stay in love for 39 years has as much as dealing with the stuff inside of you as it does your spouse. And if I'm not dealing with the stuff inside of me and taking that out on Lynn, the chances are we wouldn't be sitting up here today. There's some junk inside of me that I got to deal with. And, 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 and Stanley talked about that, that that's really hard for us men. So men, it's hard for us to admit that we got stuff inside of us. And if we come home and we get irritable, we blame it on work. We blame it on being tired. Uh, you know, I had a bad day. But there's stuff inside of us. We have a hard time saying that we're embarrassed. We have a hard time admitting that we're jealous. 
We have a hard time saying that we feel disrespected. We have a hard time saying that we're afraid we're going to fail, that we're scared, that we're insecure, that we feel abandoned or betrayed. But there are times that we need to recognize that some of the stuff that we're dealing with is not our spouse's fault. There, there are times, Lynn, that I know I've taken things out on you, that I got angry at you, and it wasn't you at all. It was frustration I was feeling about maybe something at church, uh, maybe uh, uh, something that had happened, or just the pressure of ministry, or my past, my insecurities. And, you know, I've been dealing with that now for you know, a long time, just wrestling with uh, total trust. And, you know, I think we've got to that place over the last many years where we have total trust with each other. And that's a great place to be. So make sure that you do the inward work first. Yeah, another rule to think about when you're trying to fight fair is to attack the problem, not the person. You attack what's inside of you, the problem. The goal here is to repair and not to seek revenge. And I love what Andy Stanley goes on to say. The response should be, wives... When your husbands tell you... We get enough courage to tell you, right? And it's hard for us to admit to you that we got something wrong, right? When you finally get enough courage to tell us what you're feeling, our response should be to them something like, well, I'm so glad you told me. And then, shh, wives, what is our tendency to do? Keep on talking. When our husband gets the nerve to tell us what he's feeling, we need to resist the urge to say, well, you shouldn't feel that way, or you're just going to have to get over that. <laughs> you never said that to I me. I never. Maybe, <laughs> maybe a time or two. Healthy couples, when they hear that something they're doing is causing their spouse to have these feelings, we as wives need to stop what it is that's causing our husbands to have these feelings when they tell us what they're feeling. You know, if things keep coming up, guys uh, or gals in your marriage, um, Maybe, again, there's some stuff inside of you that you need to work on. And uh, there have been people who I've heard say this after, uh, you know, maybe four or five relationships, they keep saying, I haven't yet met the right person. <laughs> they, I haven't found the right person. Well, maybe you haven't found the right person because you haven't worked on the stuff inside of you. And maybe you're the common denominator. Maybe you're the person that needs to work on some stuff. So attack the problem, not the person. Then give each other the benefit of the doubt. I think that's so important is to not make assumptions about your spouse. You know, give each other the benefit of the doubt. And this is hard for me in fighting fair is try to listen more than you try to be heard. And as an extrovert, I tend to talk too much, right? Your dad heard me say that two weeks ago and he said, yeah, he needs to work on that. You know, you know your dad and I have a real good relationship, right? Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I tend to talk too much sometimes so when you and I are having a conflict. I need to learn to listen to you more. And so I'm going to work on that. And uh, so whenever, whenever I talk too much, just go, shh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And then, and then I think this is good for all of us in fighting fair. Remember, Jesus is in the room with you. And when we're having a conflict, the person that we've given our life to is in the room with us. And, and we need to honor him with that conflict. Uh, you know, when we're having a conflict with our spouse, this is the person we promise for better or for worse. Another rule that we use, maybe not intentionally, is humor. And everybody knows that humor can ease a, a tension in a situation. We're learning sometimes just to laugh at the situation. Jeff, it was your humor in the first place that attracted me to you uh, anyway. So laughing together, that's what we do a lot. And it eases a lot of tension during conflict. In and, and the key to that is not laugh at your spouse, right. but laugh with, with your spouse. Your spouse. Yeah. And then I would say, uh, in closing on rules for fighting fair, prayer is always a great way to end. 
uh, pray together. You know, pray together. And then don't avoid counseling. You know, we, li- we need to fight for our marriages. Men, you need to fight for your marriage. Uh, women, you need to fight for your marriage. Uh, that, that honors God and pleases God. Well, we're about out of time there. The clock's running and I've talked too much already. See, I tend to do that sometimes when I get up here, I talk too much. You're all supposed to say agree. But anyway, uh, so when we're closed, we've talked about uh, challenges. We've talked about um, covenant. We've talked about conflict. And we, we can't close here today without talking about celebration for just a few moments. Uh, you know, 39 years of fruitful and happy marriage and ministry together, serving together, traveling together, uh, playing together, praying together, having fun together. We've had a lot to celebrate. Yeah, certainly uh, with all the three great things that God has done in our 39 years of ministry together and our 39 years of marriage, uh, from traveling with our college ministry team and singing and sharing God's Word and song and message all over the Southeast, uh, three years that we had in Springfield, Missouri at Grace United Methodist Church, and 10 years of all places being assigned back to Conway, my hometown, uh, all that prepared us to come here to Mount Horb. So for the last 23 years, God has used all that ministry to prepare us to work together to grow His church. So in marriage, as we think about celebration, we all have choices to make, and we can choose to do things that we can celebrate. Um, One of the great celebrations we have is all the friends we've made through the years in ministry. And, and, you know, I, I think it's to have a strong marriage, a healthy marriage, you need to have good friends that will hold you accountable. Uh, small groups have been great for us over the last, uh, what, 12 years. We've had great small groups and other couples we've become friends with and we, we go out with and we got, we got, we're going to have a couple this week on Wednesday night. Uh, just go hang out a little bit and, and, just, and you need that. You, know, you, need, you need couples in your life and we've been blessed uh, here at Mount Horb. We have so many good friends. Uh, people that we call our friends, and you, you're our friends, and we thank you for that. So, Lynn and I want to close up by saying a prayer for the, for, for the couples here today, uh, for marriages, and um, I want to give you this final statement from us. Where are you at? Over here you are. Okay. Uh, our marriage has had some tears, a lot of smiles, and some great memories. But you know, tears, they dry up, and smiles, they fade, but memories, they live on forever. So, Thank you for letting us talk to you today, and I just pray that this series has been helpful to someone's marriage. Maybe if you're a young person here today, it's given you some ideas of what to look for in a marriage, look for in a future spouse, because one day, most of you here will probably get married. I want to pray for you right now. Gracious God, thank you for Lynn. Thank you for 39 wonderful years of marriage. Thank you for her confidence in me and her commitment to me. And that um, we have so much to be thankful for, so much to celebrate. And Father God, I, I pray that you would be with marriages here today. I pray for that couple that's struggling right now. For that person that's here alone today because they're separated or they're in the midst of a great conflict. Father God, I pray for healing. I pray for divine help. I pray for a miracle. I pray for counselors, pastors that can come alongside them, friends that can help them. And Father God, I pray for marriages that, uh, that, that are strong, that they will continue to be safe and strong. Father God, I pray for those whose hearts have been broken by divorce, uh, whose lives are being put back together. And I, and I thank you that there is grace and mercy. When we all mess up, we all make 
have broken promises in our lives. I thank you that, Lord God, you offer us grace and mercy. I pray for healing right now. I pray for those young people that are here today that hope one day to get married, that they will follow your, your guidelines and you would bless them. So bless us as we go forward now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.